The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am your host, Dr. Drayvon James, and I am super excited to be here with you today on the Unity Online Radio Network, where we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace, defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Can you even imagine living a life of peace every day? Take a second and just breathe that in. Peace every day, wholeness and completeness. Yes, it is possible. Yes, you deserve it. And yes, you can do it. And here's the best news of all. We can do it together. You know life is better at a team. They say it takes a village to raise a family. I personally believe it takes a village to do everything. So our time together today, we will enrich and enhance each other's lives. Our guests will bring and provide you with the tools and inspirations needed to fuel your dreams, your goals, and yes, help you create a life of peace every day. Listen, I get it. I know life is challenging. I know. I mean, you know, I talk a lot about the big three. My definition of the big three, health, wealth, and relationship. A deficit in any one of those areas can just rock our entire world, move the whole universe to what we consider to be depression and all kinds of horrible things happening in our life when our health isn't going right, when our wealth is, we have problems with our finances, when we have problems in our relationships. It really can seem overwhelming at times. And that's why I totally believe in our time here together. We get tools, different ways of doing things, different perspectives of of ways that we see things so that we really can build and create our own life of peace every day. And today, this Monday is no different than any other Monday. We have a fabulous guest. Today, we have Dr. Ken Keyes. Dr. Ken Keyes is a passionate leader leading others to experience clarity and joy by creating a life of purpose and empowering leaders to empower others. With more than 3 million written words, 10,000 hours of consulting and speaking experience, and co-author of 10 professional development tools, Dr. Ken Keyes has had a profound impact on the world's leadership landscape for the last 25 for years. You think he's got like a lot of experience and we have him here with us today. Dr. Ken Keyes, welcome to the Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James show. Well, thank you, doctor. And it's just awesome to be able to come and play with you. Oh, I'm delighted. I got to tell you, to have you here, I've had the opportunity since I was on your show (laughs) to learn a lot about you and the work that you do. And I can tell you that you are a blessing to the universe to for you to have followed your passion, gave up one life, decided on another life, changed courses, and really stepped into something that I believe, I know others agree with me or will agree with me after they hear you talk today, that 
what you do is so very necessary. The work that you do to help people get clarity in their life, creating a life of purpose, all of the things that we need to have a peaceful life, a journey that looks like something that we're creating on purpose. So before we get started into what you do professionally, tell us a little bit about you. You know, Where'd you come from? How'd you develop this passion? How'd you make this decision to do the work that you did? Well, like many, I mean, our journey isn't necessarily a straight path, is it? Oh, no. So uh, I grew up actually on a dairy farm. I live on the west coast of Canada in an hour out of Vancouver, but I'm near the border, so I'm in Seattle all the time, and of course our clients are all around the world. But anyways, I, I grew up on a dairy farm, and I actually had my own dairy farm for a while, and I I started with working with my father, but of course um, Eastern European style, management style, Dravon, is that only one person could be in charge, and both of us wanted to be. So I left the farm, I worked for the Department of Agriculture, and then I also went into a sales job. And during when I had my sales job, I actually had my own dairy farm. And I woke up one morning, you know, 5.30 in the morning, the sun's coming up, I have my dairy farm, and I asked myself this question, and I want everybody else that's listening to ask the same question, that is, if I'm doing exactly what I'm doing right now, 20 years from now, would that be okay? And the answer to that was a resounding no. So if it's no, then what was I supposed to be doing differently? Now, I even knew at the age of 16 that I wanted to be a communicator and to encourage others, but it was just a little murky for me. So I went on this journey, my own self-discovery, and of course I've written a book on purpose and other areas, and went through this uh, my own sort of coaching with a, a gentleman, and you were talking about help in your introduction. You know, right now, if we want to go to where we need to go, then really these kinds of shows, getting a coach, help, is that's baseline. That's foundational. That's not even an option. So anyways, I worked with them, and I decided to sell my dairy and then get into the training and development field. And just one correction on the introduction. This is actually my 30th year. In fact, this is my anniversary just, a, you know, a couple months prior to the recording of this show. Wow. And so... So when you think about it, 30 years, where did that go? And I had to kind of move away. I was very good at the dairy and all that kind of stuff, but I knew that being good at it and being passionate is two different things. So part of my journey is that with the individual, I knew I was supposed to communicate. I knew I was supposed to help others, but about what? And then my purpose statement evolved to be this, is that my purpose is to help others to live, lead, and work on purpose but in a holistic way. And that's where my work has taken me, where he said, no way, no way. And this is an encouragement to everybody that's listening, listening to Ravon, is that my grade nine English teacher said I would never amount to anything. And the reason being is I couldn't read or write. Well, it's when I was doing my master's degree that they discovered I was mildly dyslexic. And then since, of course, the time when I was going to school, you know, younger, uh, the invention of computers allowed us to use you know, programs like Word to tell us and show us what words were misspelled and where the grammar could be improved. And so here I am now, I never would have envisioned, and this is my encouragement to everybody listening, envisioned that I would be an author, and an author of four million words of content and three books and all these assessments. Are you kidding me? That was the last thing that didn't even occur to me. But my purpose has been the same, meaning I want to encourage others to realize their potential. And so it moved from just the spoken word to also the written word and then developing curriculum and all these kinds of things that go with it. So here we are, you know, just a breath away of 30 years. 
helping others realize their potential. I love that. And and I love the fact that I hear so much courage in your story. And it encourages me, but it scares me a little bit too, if I'm quite honest, because I too felt that same thing. And I asked myself that same question 29 years ago. If I am doing what I am doing today, 20 years, it may not have been 20 years, it could have been five minutes. The answer was still mm-hmm. the same. You know, if I continue to do this, am I going to be happy? And what I was doing was serving mankind. It was a wonderful, honorable thing to be doing. But my answer was no. I knew that I wanted to be doing something in the inspirational speaking, motivational speaking um, arena. And but I didn't know how to make the transition. Now, that's that's a cognitive reason. Right. But the heart, the heart reason was that I was so afraid because you've got to let go of something. You got to open your hands up and let that go so you can grab hold to something else. And yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we talk about change and transformation, and one of our models, which is similar to yours, is that the most difficult thing is not starting something new. The most difficult thing is to actually end the old habits. So I need to stop doing something to begin something new. So if I'm, you know, we're hopefully going to get to talking about health. And so if I'm going to start a new diet or a new regime, that means I need to stop going through the drive through and getting 12 dozen donuts or bagels before, you know, for my breakfast. So we have to stop doing that so that we can transition and move to the other side. And I agree that's part of our development for all of us, you know, as we progress and and move forward, no guilt and no shame, just moving forward. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I'm so excited for this talk today. And as you may or may not know, I do this sort of taking it to the street little informal thing. I, I gather questions along my path. I'll ask people things about my topic. And you just hit on one of the top questions that someone asked me to ask you, who's going to be listening to this show in the archives. So, and you're right, breaking these habits means that we have to change. You have to be willing to end the old habit. So you have this desire to help people realize their potential. You didn't know how you were going to do it, but I bet you just hearing that about, about your personality, you were pretty good in sales. Uh, I was the number one sales rep at the company. So I was always a good communicator verbally. So I think I just naturally covered up my inability to read or write with verbal prowess. Now it comes by me naturally. You know, people say they have fear of speaking. I, I never had fear of speaking. I had a couple of moments when I was nervous at 16 speaking to a group of 500 people but people say you're uh, do you get nervous now i said absolutely not i mean i've done 3,000 presentations i don't get nervous it's just it's just not in me but the ability to influence and communicate uh was always sort of there as part of my genetic makeup well that's that's terrific so today we're talking about stress and you know and this wellness and well wellness and decreasing your stress and improving your wellness and your outlook on that. And I want to jump into that because that is a one of topics I talk about a lot too. And I know that getting people, or even myself at times, we can be so overwhelmed with, uh, I think, focusing on the fears of the future or the disappointments of the past or that we over-dramatize the present. <laughs> right. Well, of course, you're talking about a subject that I teach in a six hour or full day workshop. So we're going to try to condense some of these components, but I just want to back up 
just a moment. Just a moment. You know, we believe in developing the whole person. So even though some of you listening, you might know your passion, you might know your calling, you you are in the zone. However, if you're not well, if you're not high energy, if if you have sickness or stress, then that's going to take away from all of that joy. Who cares if you know what your purpose is if you're ill all the time? So that's why it's important. And just a sidebar, it wasn't meant, it's not mentioned in my bio anymore, but I have a diploma in nutrition and genetics. And this is what really was driving my passion around this. But it was a personal story, and I think this will encourage people. Is, you know, we all have stress, but we also, here's the other side, is that we have responsibility and we have the capability to address it. The World Health Organization said, what percentage of illness is lifestyle related? In another words, it's a choice. Well, it's nearly 95%. When people say, I have a genetic propensity for this, 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 yada, 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 that is a very rare percentage. The majority of our illnesses are lifestyle related. So choices, food, how we set up our life, all the environment, staying up late at night, the amount of sleep, all these kinds of things, the jobs that we're doing, all of those are feeding into that stress level. And so you have control and you have input. So here's what really drove me around this because you know I have many friends who are medical doctors. And I don't believe in the, that the Western world has a healthcare system. I think they have a sick care system. They want to identify what's wrong with you rather than what's the functional medicine approach, which is what is the underlying cause for my stress or what's contributing to me. So in 1987, I was really struggling with depression. And you know, we talk about mental illness. And then in 1988, I was diagnosed as manic depressive by my doctor and put me on anti-depression a drug called lithium. About two weeks into it, I was ready to kill somebody. In other words, my body was reacting extremely negatively to the, you know, this, I'll call it poison in my body. And a friend of mine says, Ken, I don't think you're depressed at all. I think there's something biophysical going on. And so at my own insistence, not my doctor, my doctor never um, brought it up or anything, we did a glucose tolerance test and found out that I was an extreme hypoglycemic and I was medicating myself by drinking a gallon of Coke a day. And so, I mean, that was a pretty unhealthy lifestyle. And as soon as I quit the sugar, and we have all this processed sugar that's in our systems and our processed foods that's killing everybody, uh, my depression went away. So uh, wow. I quit the drug, all those things. And that's why I'm so passionate is that you are 100% responsible for your health. You know what? I don't take what... Um, doctors say directly because guess what it's my life and uh you know all due respect to my friends who are medical doctors and they're wanting to do their best but when it's all said and done i get second and third opinions i investigate i find out what's the root cause so that we can have this you know optimal health and fulfillment and energy out there and there's all these inputs in the developed world now over the last 150 years that are contributing new stresses to our life. And so much of it is related to our diet. When I read, and of course I've been a pharmacist for 29 years and my, my hobby has always been like um, natural medicines, herbs, you know, what I used to read just for my own enjoyment. And as I've struggled with some of my own health issues and read even more with a different type of passion when it's actually happening to you, 
I realized that so much is connected to our choice and what we eat and how mm. much we eat it. And it is amazing what the body could do. And all of these things, these so-called diseases that sound so terminal. I mean, someone tells you you have bipolar depression. It sounds like it's, oh my gosh. But when we really, the, the root causes, the body is trying to supplement. I mean, the, the, what the body is trying to do is supplement for a root cause that's underneath there. And if we don't dig deep and keep trying different things other than just traditional medicines, we really will end up just covering up and covering up the symptoms well, well the condition worsens and worsens and then we get more complications because now we got the side effects from the drugs and we really don't it becomes almost an impossible jigsaw puzzle to mm-hmm. figure out if we go too deep with the drugs. Well, it's, it, it's interesting Dravon that you sorry to interrupt but you come from this you know pharmacy space and you know everybody talks about big pharma and by the way I, I have nothing against the fact that there are some amazing solutions out there that have saved people's lives. Don't get me wrong. However, uh, the propensity for profit and to get people hooked lifelong, you know, lifelong to certain, I mean, think about the opiate crisis, right? Is that a lot of that is driven by corporate greed and not by need. And so when we think about a solution, we even know that antidepressants, once you get into two years in, is that they actually have a reverse uh, effect and, in fact, can increase suicide. So we know that. I mean, all the research is out there. And then, of course, natural sort of solutions. I was a nutritionist in the agricultural field, and that was actually my job as a salesperson. Okay. And we always look to, you know, what was in the diet? What was in the environment? What were, you know, was the environment stressful? So the research shows in the U.S., so this show goes all around the world, but in the U.S., the U.S. Department of Labor said that stress costs the average employer $7,500 per year, period. So that's $300 billion in lost productivity because of stress. So work is one of the number one contributors to a stress level. And a lot of reasons is that people aren't doing a job that they love, they don't enjoy. You talked about you and I and our passions. You know, we are fortunate. We're amongst the few, you know, 10%, maybe 15% of the population are in the zone doing what they absolutely love. Now, not every day is perfect for you or I. We have some moments that go awry, but that's not the point. The majority of what we're doing is what we're called to do, our assignment, our purpose, our calling, whatever word you want to use, and I believe every person has it. So if you're in a job or a role right now that is not your calling, not your assignment, not your passion. Now, there are some people who say passion isn't necessarily linked to interests. Well, we won't get into that debate. I need to be in an environment that's uplifting, that's building, that I get energized by being there. Now, I want to back up one second. You talked about being in this business, you know, for many years and for myself, 30 years. And recently, I've been doing level, several speaking engagements at conferences. And what I noticed, Ravon, is that in the last year, I have never enjoyed this industry more than right now. Like never. Like it's almost it is at the cellular level. We're here after 30 years. You would think I've done one of my programs a thousand times. You would think after that thousandth time, you said, "Well, Ken, you're bored of that." Absolutely not. I've grown. I've developed myself, and so that I know that I'm in the zone. And then as we get older and mature. We move out of ego into servanthood. 
And yes. so I'm not there to impress you. I am just there. I am dedicated that this experience is going to be the most ex- amazing experience that you've ever had as a seminar leader. And I'm dedicated to engage you and to work with you as best as I can. And so I said, wow, I like, I just did not see that coming that I would even go to another level after 30 years of doing it. So that is true for every single person listening. And the other side is you could be doing the right job or role or responsibility, but in the wrong environment. So we have like a stress assessment called the Stress Indicator Health Planner. It's got 120 questions in it. I'm the co-author with Dr. Quinn Faulkner and Dr. Terry Anderson. And so the three of us really have come together and said, one of the contributing things around stress is do you have an environment of encouragement or never underestimate how much stress comes from a toxic workplace. So you and I could be doing the right things, Travon, but maybe in the wrong environment. And people don't change because they, um, maybe they get into fear about, you know, what if I can't find another job? Well, look what it's doing to your energy. Here's the reality is that if you don't change something, then this is going to erode your immune system. The sick days are going to go up. Your, actually, your, your longevity is going to decrease <clears throat> because you're not doing a job that you love. And, you, you know, that's the saddest point of, uh, you know, that shouldn't be. You are so right. And as I talk to people and, and, and as I did my own reading about this topic, but the one thing that kept coming up when I would talk to people about their job and their stress level associated with their work, every one of them said something similar to this. If I hit the lottery, I wouldn't even call in. I just would not show up anymore. That's how much I don't enjoy what I do. It, I'm only here because I need the money. And so it's a bill. And, you know, I think it's one thing to say, oh, well, you know, you got to, you, you got, it's, you got to go do your passion or, you know, don't leave your dream inside of you. But people are facing real, you know, most, most people are over mortgage, too much debt, and they're struggling as it is. And they feel like they're chained to an unhappy situation, maybe because of their financial choices. And that's why they just say it and they don't and they are suffering from the effects of stress. They've already got a couple of autoimmune diseases. They already got a thickening waistline and all that. And mm-hmm. you know, they're already feeling the effects of it and they're they're just feel like there's no way out. They feel trapped. In addition to the job situation being negative and toxic, they also feel trapped because they feel like I can't at my age, you know, there's so many other factors. They can't find another job. Or, you know, job market is too slow right now. It's really a dismal situation for a lot of people. Well, I believe that's uh, highly influenced by attitude and mindset. Absolutely. And, you know, it, I mean, we even, I have it in my book, The Quest for Purpose, and we talk about it. And this was Dr. Martin Sigelman's work out of his book, Learned Optimism. And he allowed me to share some of his work and include it in my book, is that a mindset pessimism and optimism is predictable, is a predictive uh, mindset or framework to your future success. And so if you don't think there are any jobs, if you don't think there's any opportunity, if you feel that you're stuck, guess what? You are. You're right. You are stuck. And so it's amazing how what I believe is what manifests around me. You know, and I'm a person of faith. I'm pretty grounded and centered. And I'm not talking about airy-fairy kind of like way out there. I'm just saying that if you don't believe there are anybody who wants to be your friend and you don't have any friends, then why should you be surprised? So the same thing if 
Now, here's the other one. I don't want people to kind of jump off of their job and quit tomorrow because they listen to this interview. That's what I'm talking about, is start taking responsibility to say, okay, I'm in a stressful situation, a stressful job. It's not really serving me. If I wasn't doing this, what would I be doing? So the problem is most people try to look through a job as a resume or look for the jobs out there. No, no, no. You go and say, if I had my perfect job and environment, what would I be doing where? You create the perfect situation and you define it. And it's interesting. Now the law of attraction starts to come in play. You know, think about it. Everybody here that's listening, if you have a vehicle of some sort, do you not notice your car or truck or van or whatever it is you're driving when you get to a stoplight? You notice vehicles that are like yours. Well, they were there before you bought that vehicle. And that's the same thing for jobs so that you can reduce the stress. So, you know, uh, you and I are both on the same page there, Dervon, is that if you want to play, if you want to play, you know, the blame game or whatever, the, the last place you want to go <clears throat> is to not take responsibility for your situation. And when Scott Peck wrote the book, The Road Less Travel, he said, you know, the most difficult condition to treat is character disorder. Well, character disorder is where you blame everybody else. So if you blame everybody else, then you will never will be in a position to be able to own your own space and take responsibility because it's everybody else's fault. And so you are dedicating yourself. You, this is a choice to be miserable. And I'm not trying to be in your face about it. I'm just challenging us that we have way more freedom with our thoughts and way more freedom with our mindset than we give ourselves credit for. Now, here's the other side, of course, Ravon, and you teach this, is that our mindset in how we're thinking, and this is stress-related too, because if I watch all the news and all the negativity, that input equals output. So you need to mitigate, reduce, cut out all the negative CRAP that's coming into your life. Listen to Dravon's show. Listen to my podcast. They're always positive, right? And it's not that we're not challenging you, but now you need to have the input that is linked to you. If you're getting to social media and start bantering back and forth and getting in these online arguments, how is that enriching your life? It's not. It's so stress is, stress is actually coming from social media uh, rather than there, reducing. Take a, take a brief break. We're going to break for a quick commercial because I want to hit on that when we come right back. What you are feeding you could actually be killing your chances for thriving. So very important. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. We're back with Everyday Peace and Dr. Drayvon James. And of course, we have a fabulous guest with us today, Dr. Kim Keyes. And we were ended before the commercial break talking about what you are exposing yourself to. Make sure that your choices are supporting you on the journey that you are choosing to take. So oftentimes, we ended talking about social media and 
you know, I absolutely love social media when it is used properly. I love music when you use it properly. I love the movies and the entertainment and the arts industry when you use it properly. Too often, we're very reckless in that area. Wouldn't you agree, Ken? Absolutely. I mean, there was another study that was done said, you know, your five closest friends, you will be like your five closest friends. So I'm not saying that we should ditch all or diss all the, <laughs> our friends, but if you want to go to another level, and you're hanging out in a group, and that peer group really is not where you want to be, it's going to be difficult to get there because all their influence, their talk, their chatter, their mentoring of you, which could be mentoring down, not up, is influencing you. So you really want to manage that. I listen to about, it's minimum 30, mostly an hour, and many times two hours of podcasts every day. And that's actually one of the things I do, you know, uh, when I'm winding down at night as well, is that what's the last thing I really want to kind of put in to my mind? And those podcasts I choose. And I'm going to, that's why podcasts are so in this kind of radio format, you know, just in time and listening or, you know, go back and re-listen to it, is because I can choose that positive influence in my life rather than just whatever everything else is. Yes. What what I hear you saying too, Ken, is a very, very old phrase, but it's so appropriate. You know, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at will change. It's one of my favorite expressions. When we change the way we look at things, the things that we look at will change. And how do we change the way we look at things is we change the things that we feed ourselves. So if you're constantly, I don't know, telling yourself, you know, how horrible it is to have another rainy day and that's the way you look at rain. Instead of saying without rain, we wouldn't have green grass, we wouldn't have produce, we wouldn't have this. It's all a mindset. It's really one decision away from our greatest decision. And that is just switching the way we see things. And that takes uh, uh, practice. I'm with you. I listen to a lot of podcasts today. It is uh, my source of entertainment, my source of education a lot of times because we're on the go all the time. Sometimes I can't get my hands on a good book or, uh, you know, to sit down and read. I like to hold a book in my hand when I read. But I listen to a lot of podcasts and and I deliberately pick the ones that feed me and challenge me to a growth in the areas that I really want to grow in. And there, you know, we all have within us, uh, there's another phrase I heard within the best, the the best person in the world, there is a little bad and the the worst person in the world, there's a little good. So you have to choose what part of you, you want to feed. If you want to feed that negative monster who sees something wrong with everything, then there's there's a certain diet you're going to have to do have to do that you know certain things you got to feed your mind to keep that going but if you want to be able to walk on the lighter and brighter side of work of life there's a certain diet you're going to have to have certain things you have to feed your mind on a regular basis that will help you say oh my gosh yeah you know that's not as bad as i thought it was doesn't mean you won't have challenges because challenges are part of the development process Mm, for sure now I just want to back up for a second, if we could, Ravon, and I want you to remind me in a moment, make a note that I, I share with the audience my, uh, what we call my inspirational model, which talks about stress levels based on two criteria, and I'll talk about that in a bit. But I want to back up for a moment, because we, we mentioned it, and because we have so much we can talk about, is you know, in our stress indicator and health planner, we have a section on lifestyle, and we also have a section on uh, nutrition. So when we talk about that, um, Harvard did a study about longevity. It was, a, it was the longest study in history. It was 50 years. And so we're talking about what were the 
couple of things that shortened your life, increased your stress. Well, we know smoking is the number one thing that will shorten your life, but also drinking. And, you know, I'm a social drinker. I'll have something uh, once every couple of months, like almost nothing now. But even, you know, once a day or uh, once a week is uh, harmful to your immunity system. But the other thing that was in this longevity is loving relationships. Isn't that interesting? Is that the more that you have loving relationships, the greater that your stress goes down and your longevity increases. The other two items that were in there is that people who had advanced degrees or had continuing education credits live longer. And what they surmised of the study was is these are people who care about the future and their contribution. So when um, uh, Martin Singelman did another study and he said lifelong learners are what that being a lifelong learner is one of the three criteria that creates meaning in people's life. So 85% of people never read another book after high school. That's unfortunate. So the majority of people now, you know, that's where podcasts come in and it's great. It's, you know, I'm, if maybe you're walking right now, maybe you are uh, driving. And so you can just listen to this recording if it's, you know, not today on Monday or whatever, but that's where you can consume those pieces. The other one that comes in around the food and being an agriculturalist, and so I have to be really careful about how I talk about not upset all my family members, but processed food is killing us. You know, there's over 20,000 different foods created every year. Well, what's that? That's not food. That is just manipulated uh, content. So processed foods have this, you know, hot, usually they're carbohydrate in nature. It's uh, glycemic index, which means your blood sugar is going to come up quickly. They have all the sugar or have um, all these other additives that are put into it to make it palatable. You know, these people that are creating these foods, they want to make it addictive. You know, I can't just have one potato chip. Are you kidding? I mean, I'm going to eat the whole bag. Why is that? That's by design, right? right. So, so you want to create an environment that's going to win. And so it's interesting is that we talked about, you know, you're going to be like your five closest friends in all categories. That even includes things like your weight, your wellness levels, if you're working out, if you have athletic friends that are constantly doing something and being act- active, then you will more like more than likely be that as well. If they're uh, couch potatoes and don't want to do anything, guess what? You're going to probably be like them as well. So you want to eat as much natural whole foods as possible and then reduce as many of the sugars and all of that, the candies, all the stuff that's convenient that we all love, but just get it out of your house. You, nobody listening to this is disciplined enough to not grab that chocolate bar or that bag of potato chips it's in your household. There's going to be something that's going to happen, a phone call late at night, is that our discipline is going to drop. Just don't have it. You have to put structure. The other one Katie, is, you're so it, right. You're it, so it, right. I am, I, I'm a person who loves potato chips, and I can't have potato chips. And I have to keep them out of the house because if something that happens, I call my categories the big three, the health, wealth, and relationship. If something disappointing happens in one of those categories, Late at night before I get ready to go to bed, when, when I've used up all my reserves, <laughs> I yeah. reach for that bag of potato chips. And so I have realized, and I tell my kids, I said, that's just something we can't have in the house. Cannot have potato chips here because it doesn't support my healthy goal. And mm. I know that when I get challenged in that area, I'm looking for something quick. So without that temptation being there, I need to go to something else. I need to find a podcast, have a cup of herbal tea, you know, employ some other tactics. 
or maybe something you know more uh, natural, like a piece of fruit or a vegetable or something like that. And those are all nourishing, uh, you know, for a body. And then when we go to this other side, to lifestyle, people who move and are more active are more cognitively uh, functioning. Your um, adrenals work better. My father-in-law, about uh, 20 months ago, died of dementia. You know, his, his stepfather-in-law. And so they're now talking dementia type 3 diabetes. So it really becomes a brain flow sugar um, connection. And so how we eat is actually going to contribute to our dementia, but also our activity is the more that you move, the more that you can move. You know, when my um, father-in-law was in residential care, which is just before being hospitalized 24-7, what I really noticed about the area is this whole place smelled like death. Nobody was living there. Everybody was waiting to die. And so when you think about this quality of life, end of life, you do not have to be sick to die. I'm going to contrary, you know, like be a contrarian to everybody that's listening to this. You can be an active, mobile 90-year-old, and then, you know, just one day off you go. (laughs) You don't have to be sick to be at, at an elder's age. And so it really is your vibrancy, your movement, and your ability to stay fit, and you know, even things like uh, light weights, is muscle mass helps the tone of your bone and uh, all your functions as well, and also your metabolic rate. So all of these come into play. So make sure you move, just even if it's just walking. You know, do 10,000 steps a day. If you're doing some kind of fitness, then you know, what is the just light weights or even resistant bands is part of that. The, also, the other thing is is that what the the study from Harvard talked about is those people who give, who are generous, and I mean generous in terms of who they are and giving into other people's lives, they also live longer. It seems to improve your immunity. Remember, there's an old saying, and it's a very old saying. It says it's better to give than receive. But yes. However, yes. guess what? The receiver actually gets more than what they're giving. So, yes. But that is now proven in science that your longevity increases because you have a generous heart in all things, your time, your expertise, your money, whatever it is, it does help you to increase in your wellness and decrease your stress. Yeah, that that giving piece right there is the key to most things. People who are suffering from depression and are sad or alienated, low self-esteem, that being in that position of service for no other purpose but serve, it is the best way to serve yourself when you're serving other people. And there's nothing in the Bible about that, too. That, you know, when Jesus says how he, he's come to be a, he came to be a servant to people. And, you know, he, he knelt to wash people's feet first. That really, there's a lesson in that for us. And I wish I could get everybody to understand that. When you think you're at your lowest point, go out and find someone to help. You will, oh my gosh, it will just pay you back 10 trillion times. And, mm-hmm. and just a boost to your self-esteem, to your energy level, to your sense of well-being. It is all body encompassing what you get when you serve other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. You know, give where you can give. So, you know, maybe it's your kid's school and you're on the parent committee for just an event. I tend to be a project um, person with generous with my time example is my dad runs a, a sort of a, a pioneer banquet every year 
And so he says, would you be the MC for the event? And I said, absolutely, I'll donate my time or whatever. So I come in and I do the MC work, and because I'm a professional speaker, everybody says, wow, that was amazing. So, well, no, that's what I do for a living. But that's where I can give in my space, my strength. I'm not giving in another place that's completely out of my comfort zone, and even though you know, we um, ask people to grow. I, one of the things we believe in that will also improve people's wellness, reduce their stress, is I need to play to my strengths, Bravon. A lot yes. of times people say you want to, uh, you need to develop your weaknesses. I said, I think that's highly overrated, is that, you know, we have a strengths-based model. We talk about our personality or personal style assessment, and, you know, am I a, in a job or a role that plays to my strengths? So that's another stressor where we're feeling guilty. We are beating ourselves up because I can't maintain my engagement in some kind of role or responsibility. And the reason I can't is that it's not a fit. It's not, you are not compatible from a style point of view, maybe not an interest or your area of expertise, but what we call a job style compatibility. And so, you know, we have a whole assessment series on that, but we help people to measure to be conscious and awake. So one of the things that came out recently, Dravon, is most people believe that they are self-aware. So this is my colleague, I'm going to call her lightly, but uh, she's been on my show as well, and she was an amazing guest, just as you were. And her name is Tasha Urich, and she's written the book Insights. And what Tasha discovered is 95% of people listening to the show, you believe that you know yourself, and that how you know yourself, meaning you're self-aware, is that other people see you as you see yourself. Then what she did is she had her university students do a study and said, okay, this is how Ken sees himself. This is how Gravon sees Ken. Do you know that there was only 10% of your, the people around them were congruent with how the people saw themselves? Said, no, Ken, that's not how you show up. So 85% of people don't even know themselves. They believe they do. They're slightly delusional or they just are, there's a gap there. They're ignorant about even how they show up. And so one right. of the things we're trying to do you know, in your show and my show and other shows that are out there, is how can we increase your consciousness, your self-awareness, so that you can go to self-management and then lead into self-mastery. So the back door to this is, is this, is that clarity breeds confidence. One of the top six habits out of Brendan Bouchard's book was clarity. And so if I'm going to reduce my stress, then I need to know that I know that I know where I'm going. And I'll come back to my inspirational model now right, as, okay. as part of that discussion. Is that uh, there are two components to uh, really getting in the zone and lowering your stress. The first component, can I be joyful, content in this moment? And so there's all kinds of research that talks about that where at this, I don't care what's going on. I'm not saying it's What can you be grateful for and thankful for? and joyful for this very moment. And, and that is a choice. I don't care what's going on, what's happening. There's always something. You are alive. You're even here. If not, you wouldn't be able to have that choice. The second uh, element that contributes to lowering your stress is you know where you're going. Right. So there are some people who they, they, they are joyful in the moment, but they have no idea where they're going. So that really puts them in this place of neutral or status quo. So they're not energized or inspired for the future. Yes, they're joyful now, but they, there's another level for them that they could go to. There's another group where 
They're not joyful. In other words, they hate the moment right now, and they don't even know where they're going. Well, these are stressed, miserable people. So they're, they're, they're cranky already, and they have no idea where they're going. And that's what we're trying to encourage people in this show is that we always have a choice. And one step at a time, start moving towards that clarity. Find out what your purpose is. Find out what your expertise is. What would you do differently? Now, how do the you, other area that's – go ahead. How do you suggest people – because that's one of the questions that someone asked me, was how do you find your life's purpose? I had a wonderful opportunity to talk to a woman who was nearing 60, who works full-time, didn't like her, doesn't like her job at all. She said, how do you find your life's purpose? How do you well, – that is my book, The Quest for Purpose. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be promotional. But <laughs> I the, love the, But your life, if you haven't done the work, here, here's the, the, the one-minute version of this. Asking the question, what's your life purpose and all the different components is too big of a question for most people because they haven't been doing the work. So what I do in, the, in, in my book, The Quest for Purpose, I break it down into a step-by-step, and you start accumulating all these different pieces. In other words, you know, do some assessments about your stress level and your confidence level and your personal style and your core values. And you know, we know that your stress level, cortisol levels go down when you know what your core values are. You start paying attention. Our life has led, left clues. What are the things in all of your life that have been positive, inspiring experiences? And we get you to journal all of that. Nothing neutral, nothing negative. Then we start leaving there. your life as life clues. Then we have what we create, what we call a keyword search, and saying there's keywords within that autobiography that represent your life as you go forward. And then we get people to create active tense vision statements in 13 different categories. But when I did this myself, I spent six months doing that work. So you invest in doing the work and step by step. Don't feel overwhelmed. Start where you are but take it one piece at a time versus this big answer. I mean, you don't build a 100-story building just tomorrow. You dig the hole. You build a foundation. And you know what? They'll probably spend a year working on the foundation before they even start going up the stories. And then it goes pretty quick. So that's what we're talking about here is to so pay attention to that. that. question is quest for purpose. Get the book, do the work, take your time, fall in love with yourself each chapter after chapter, get to know you, and you'll find your purpose. Absolutely. And so if your purpose, if you don't know your purpose, then your purpose is to find your purpose. Right. And then just so embrace that as the quest and don't, don't fret about it. it. It will take as long as it takes. There's no length of time that's appropriate. It's whatever it is. So allow yourself the freedom so you don't get into – you know, shame or blaming yourself or, or, any, or even an obligation. Just do it because it's the right thing to do. And now I had another track. Oh, I know what it was, is when we think about this inspirational moment, another area is that there are people who they know where they want to go in the future, but they can't, they're not joyful in the moment. Those people are pretty stressed because they're always frustrated in the moment because they are always moving towards something. It's actually a Western disease. When I get there, I'll be happy. No, it's not. It's the journey needs to be the happiness. The journey needs to be the joy. You make a choice in that. So, yes, it's good to know where you're going, but if you can't choose to be uh, thankful in the moment, then you are going to be stressed. And then, of course, finally, the place that all of us like to live as much as possible is I am thankful and joyful in the moment, and I know where I'm going. And this is a constant sort of iterative nature. In other words, it's constantly being adjusted. I had no idea, you know, Devon, when I got in this industry, 30 years ago, there was no such thing as, you know, doing this internet radio podcast, and now I'm creating e-courses. 
I'm doing virtual, I was doing virtual seminars halfway around the world through Skype or Zoom. Are you kidding me? Where was that? There wasn't even email when I got into this industry. So technology and what's happening is now evolving how we deploy and engage. And so that's the fun of it. That's just in this updating and being part of, I'll call it the, the growth in our society and the new, new opportunities that face us. But at the same time, I'm still helping others to realize the potential or for them to live, lead, and work on purpose. And I would say to the listening audience, too, that as I, I can hear the joy and the calm and just the sturdiness as you're speaking about a topic that you're so passionate about and so loving about, but everything that you do is service to mankind. And it's in that, and you're serving, your passion is to serve. And I, I want to go back. I referenced this client of mine who made a nail polish line. And you wouldn't think that that's service, but everything that we do is service. It serves someone else. And when we're passionate about the service that we provide, our life just takes on a whole nother level of greatness, a whole nother level of greatness and, and peace. You know, that, that's my favorite word. Nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness, completeness. When we really embrace this, and it is a process, you, you don't find out who you are all at once. But I do want to say, because we did mention the quest um, for purpose, and that's our free gift to the listeners who are listening to us today on this show with Dr. Ken Keyes. And so if you visit us on the unityonlineradio.org network, you'll be able to click on a link there to get a free gift. I also will be posting it on my social media. But the free gift is that book, and it really is. I gotta thank you for my copy. It really will help you work through these processes because I talk to people all of the time who are struggling with knowing what your purpose is. And I love what you said about if you don't know what your purpose is, relax. Take that stress off of yourself. Your purpose right now is to discover your purpose. That's it. And you're going to do that day by day, one step at a time. That's how we eat an elephant, one bite at a time. Before you know it, you're standing on your own mountaintop, and you're, you're there where you need to be and where, and where you're meant to be, where you can be the highest service to other people. So very important. So we talked. We're talking about this learn, learner, learned op optimism. I love that because so many people are pessimistic by nature, maybe because of their upbringing or what they're going through. Mm -hmm. But learning optimism, and I'm big on rewiring my brain. I got to tell you, when I was 17, my brother gave me that book. Everybody knows the story, the, the power of positive thinking. But another thing I came across when I was in my early 20s was this idea that I. <laughs> flip the phrase, it's like brainwashing, but I would tell people all the time, I'm washing my brain. And I really did mean that. I was really relearning so many things and re, re, just relearning how to process everything. You know, we have the, our brains are amazing. Our and and it, what, where it links to this, and I want to make sure what this gets inserted before the end of the show, Dravon, is that our language matters. And so the words that come out of our mouth are actually influencing this optimism or pessimism direction. Yes. And that's what, that's what Martin was able to document is how we use our language and how we respond to both positive and negative events in life. And then his model was including, you know, can I project my success into other parts of my life? Can I project it in the future? How I think about those things, how I embrace those. Those are critical. Those matter. So if, if I say to myself, I'm not good at anything, guess what? You've actually convinced yourself, even at the cellular level, that you're not. 
And this is not about arrogance. This is really about self-honoring, not self-centered. Now, if I think I'm better than you, that's different. Can I actually have stand in my confidence in this ability to serve and honor myself so that I can honor other people? Because our highest level of contribution is when I am in my zone or in my purpose and I have this confidence. Now, I did want to say this, Dravon, just in support of the work that you're doing. There are some people that that are listening and you just don't even know where to start. Well, that's where you get professionals. You know, my book can help, but then there's all these other individuals who are coaches like yourself or myself or what, whoever, is that go borrow from somebody else's expertise. There are all kinds of individuals that you can really uh, add, you know, get a hold of to go to the next level. And so just reach out for that. Don't try to do it on your own. Absolutely. That's a great point for us to end up. we got about one minute left. And I would love, Ken, if you would tell the listening audience how they can reach out to you and how they can work with you, where they can find you. I think the best way, just go to my speaker site, and it's my spelling of my name, and it's unique. So listen, Ken Keys, K-E-N-K-E-I-S dot com. That's it. K-E-N-K-E-S-K-E-I-S dot com. And then you'll be able to, just the contact form or anything there, reach out to us. I'm on LinkedIn as well, so just reach out, and then we'll be able to respond to any questions as quickly as we can. Ken, it has been a delight having you here on the Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. For our listeners, I really want you to avail yourself of the free gift. Reach out to Ken. He is doing tremendous work, and he was willing to do that work with you. So if you're looking for ways to find your purpose, ways to reduce your stress, and who is not looking for ways to reduce their stress, I encourage you to visit his site, hook up with him, find out how you can decrease your stress and increase your wellness. You've been listening to Dr. Drayvon James on the Everyday Peace Show with Dr. Drayvon James. Until next time, please be peaceful. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth, and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.